0: The Great Balloon Escape, by Jürgen Petschel. A family dares to ride the winds to freedom. Wherever people are caged, some will always make a break for freedom. Over the years, thousands risked death and imprisonment to flee the oppressive conditions of communist East Germany. They climbed the hated Berlin Wall, tunnelled beneath border barriers and dived underwater at night to swim to asylum in the West. Many of them never made it. Some paid the ultimate penalty and died in the minefields or strung out on the wires of the death strip along the border. But still they tried. This is the remarkable story of two East German families who, ten years before the wall would come down, built a hot air balloon and dared to ride the wind to freedom. Settled among cornfields and green valleys, with pine forests marching towards the horizon, the towns of Posneck and Naylor seemed identical in the 1970s. Geographically, they were only 64 kilometres apart. Yet politically, their inhabitants were not even on the same planet. Naylor was in West Germany, and its 9,700 residents were free but Posneck, with 20,000 people, was in East Germany. Television aerials on the rooftops of houses there faced towards Nala. It was through TV that people in Posnick were constantly reminded of how much better off people were on the other side of the Iron Curtain. On March 7, 1978, in his home on the outskirts of Posneck, 35-year-old electrical engineer Peter Strelzik sat with his friend Gunther Wetzel, a 22-year-old bricklayer and truck driver. For years, the men, each married with two kids, had been trying to come up with a way to escape with their families to the west. They couldn't walk over the border because of the death strip of electronically controlled machine guns set up to kill escapees. And swimming across even a small river was too dangerous because of the many watchtowers, not to mention the mined riverbanks. Until now, neither had thought of another way by air. I have it, Peter suddenly shouted, leaping up and slapping his friend on the back. We'll go by balloon. Gunther looked at him in amazement. And where do we find a balloon? We don't, said Strelzik. We build our own. Why not? It was such a crazy, impossible way to freedom that nobody, not even the police, would think that anyone would attempt it. The next morning, Peter and Gunther began combing the bookshops and libraries in Posnek, but they could find nothing on ballooning techniques, so they settled for a book called The Technology of Gas Fitting and a physics encyclopaedia. The next day they drove to the nearby small city of Gera. In the cooperative store they spotted a big roll of brown cotton fabric. The salesperson looked at them oddly when they asked to buy 800 metres of it, so they told her they were making tents for an East German youth camp. The two of them lugged the material to the fourth floor of the Wetzel's house. Gunther and his wife Petra blacked out the attic's windows. Next, Gunther cut the cloth into long triangles and began the massive job of stitching the panels together on a 40-year-old, pedal-powered sewing machine. Within two weeks, a balloon about 15 metres in diameter and 20 metres tall began to take shape. Then Gunther and Peter built a little platform in a makeshift workshop in the Strelzig's house and a month later the balloon was ready for a test. The two men drove to a secluded clearing 24 kilometres north of the West German border. But when they tried to inflate the balloon the air escaped through the cotton and the fabric lay limp on the grass. They had bought the wrong material. Bitterly disappointed, they took the balloon home and cut it up into small pieces, meticulously burning each one in the boiler of the Strelzig's central heating system. During the next several months, the men tested various types of fabric for air and heat resistance, and finally settled on a thick taffeta. This time, to avoid arousing suspicion, they drove to Leipzig to make their major cloth purchase. When buying the 800 metres of taffeta, they told the salesperson that they belonged to a sailing club. Stitching the taffeta together went more quickly than their initial attempt with the cotton. But one night, Peter's wife, Doris, almost let slip their secret. Visitors were at the Strelzik home and together they watched a film on West German television about hot air balloons. During the program, Doris unthinkingly boasted, We have a balloon in the attic that's 500 cubic metres bigger than that. Her husband almost fainted. Beads of sweat ran down his neck. Fortunately, the guests did not catch on. Meanwhile, however, Gunther was having second thoughts. One night, after a long talk with the Strelziks, he decided he and his family would not attempt the balloon escape. His wife had become doubtful that it would ever work, and besides, Gunther knew that the balloon would have a better chance of flying with just the four Strelziks aboard. Peter continued to work on the balloon. After several tests with a burner, he accidentally discovered an effective system. By using propane gas in liquid form, he found that he could produce a durable, efficient flame. In June 1979, the homemade balloon was finally ready for liftoff. Now all they needed was the right weather. On Tuesday, July 3, the weather vane on top of the town hall swung its black arm to point south, toward the West-German border. That night at 11.30, the Strelziks drove 19 kilometres until they reached a lonely spot about 10 kilometres north of the Death Strip along the east-west border. It took only five minutes to inflate the balloon. Come on, come on, let's go, shouted Peter. And the balloon lifted into the sky with the Strelzik family perched on its tiny platform. It was now 2 a.m., For 34 minutes the balloon was airborne. Then it happened. Thick fog enveloped them, and within seconds the added weight from the water on the balloon cover was sending it plummeting toward the earth. They came down in the middle of a small pine wood. The trees shredded the balloon, but softened their landing. Doris and the children crawled into the undergrowth and hid in a clump of bushes while Peter reconnoitered the area. He spotted almost 200 metres away, two wire fences more than three metres high, with a strip of ploughed land between them. It was the dreaded death strip, and they were on the wrong side. At any moment they expected to see soldiers and snarling dogs crashing through the undergrowth, but the forest was silent. Huddling against one another, trembling with cold and fear, they hid until dawn. At first light, the four began to pick their way out of the area. The ground alongside the border was covered with coils of wire, each only a few metres from the next, each leading to alarm devices that were connected to the nearest watchtower. Backs bent, constantly casting glances in all directions, the four would-be refugees worked their way farther back into East Germany. Eight hours after starting their abortive flight, they finally reached the clearing where they had left their car. It was undisturbed, and they drove back to Posnik without incident. No agents from the State Security Service were waiting at their house. There was only their black-and-white cat Purzel, who emerged from the garden purring with joy to rub against Peter's soiled trouser legs. Though it was still morning, they were all exhausted and decided to go to bed. But Peter was unable to sleep. He paced the floor in the living room, which now seemed to be a prison cell. Then he sat down in his gold lounge chair and burst into tears. Later that month, Peter Strelzik went to see Gunter Wetzel, the first such visit for some time. Gunther had been expecting Peter to call. A friend had told him that a balloon had been found near Lobenstein, close to the border, and that the state security agents were looking everywhere for the balloonists. The two men sat in the living room for a while, Then Gunther asked directly, were you the ones in the balloon near Lobenstein? Yes, replied Peter. A fine mess, said Gunther. Peter told him what had happened. It can be done, Gunther, with the new gas system, he said, but we can't do it without you. Please come with us. A week later, Gunther gave his reply. We'll come. For the third time within 17 months, the Strelzicks and Wetzels started to build an escape balloon. The task was more difficult than ever before. The balloon had to be both larger and stronger, and consequently more air had to be heated. Moreover, since the discovery of the last balloon near the border, the men feared that all shops selling fabric in the southern part of East Germany had been warned to report anyone asking for more than a few metres of closely woven air-resistant cloth. Even so... During the next few weeks, the families covered more than 3,800 kilometres by car and visited almost 100 towns and villages, trying to purchase nylon rope, taffeta and other items. Gunther joined his partner for the first few shopping trips, then withdrew to the Strelzik cellar and started to sew the meagre bits of multicoloured material together. On August 14, Peter Strelzik drove home tired and irritable. Doris greeted him and murmured, I've put the newspaper in the living room cupboard. You had better look at page two. He saw a small photo showing a barometer, a clock, a pocket knife and a pair of pliers. The headline stated, The People's Police Request Your Help. Peter read on in increasing panic. After being used in a serious crime, the articles illustrated here were abandoned by the criminals. The detailed description of the objects was followed by an appeal. Any readers able to provide information on persons formerly in possession of these articles should contact the People's Police. Well, that's it, Peter said, as he put the newspaper down with trembling hands. They are hunting us properly now. From then on, Gunter Wetzel scarcely left his seat at the sewing machine. Twenty-hour working days were common. Withdrawing their entire savings... Peter, Doris and Petra continued their search of the shops for suitable fabric. In Magdeburg, they acquired 20 metres of nylon rope. In Hal, a bumper crop of 150 metres of nylon material. Their stockpile grew in all the colours of the rainbow. On September 14, in a Jenner department store, they managed to purchase the final 30 metres of material. Inflated, their balloon would have a diameter of 19 metres and a height of 25 metres, about the same size and shape as an eight-storey building. They had patched together one of the largest hot air balloons ever built in Europe. Meanwhile, Peter Strelzik had constructed a larger burner system and built a platform, adding a clothesline that served as a safety rail. The floor, which was to support the eight escapees, was sheet metal less than a millimetre thick, Petra Wetzel was terrified when she saw this lightweight floor panel. We will burst through it and fall out! To reassure her, Peter put blocks beneath the panel's corners and had the four adults and 15-year-old Frank Strelzik climb aboard and jump up and down. The metal vibrated, but supported them. At long last, the third balloon was ready to take to the air. On Saturday, September 15, 1979, An afternoon thunderstorm burst over the surrounding forests. Later, the cloud cover broke up. It became a cold night with a star-filled sky and a floating moon. The wind was blowing in the direction of the West German border. Tonight was the night. The two families left Posneck shortly before midnight and drove to a wooden clearing in Thuringia. Slowly, the blower pumped cold air into the slack balloon skin that lay like a deflated dinosaur on the grass. Then Gunther and Doris and Frank Strelzik held the neck of the balloon open while Peter turned the flamethrower full on. Helped by the blower, a 15-metre-long tongue of orange flame darted into the skin, singeing Peter's hair. At the edge of the clearing, Petra Wetzel and the three small children watched apprehensively. After 15 minutes, the balloon towered above them. Ropes from the balloon mouth were stretched taut to the rickety gondola. Gunter ignited the burner standing with the four propane bottles and Peter gave it a 30-second burst with the flamethrower. But it was too much. Heated by two flames, the balloon strained skyward. Peter Strelzik screamed across the clearing, ''Get in! Quick! Quick! We're off!'' They clamoured aboard. Suddenly the fabric at the neck of the balloon caught fire as the strong wind tilted the craft dangerously. They knew from their reading what happens when a balloon's skin burns. The vast hot air pressure drives the balloon upward, sometimes for hundreds of metres. Only when the skin is burned completely does the gondola and its occupants plunge to earth. Gunther quickly put out the flame with a fire extinguisher and he and Frank whipped out their knives and cut two ropes. A third anchor stake was catapulted out of the ground, injuring Frank Streltzik and two-year-old Andreas Wetzel. Gunther then cut the last connecting rope. At once the platform righted itself and the flame again pointed safely upward. Its red glow lit up the faces of the eight fugitives as the 750-kilogram balloon lifted skyward. The platform was quiet, the only sound the hiss of the gas jet as the balloon drifted on the wind. Some 2,000 metres beneath them lay the landmines, the ferocious dogs, the barbed wire-topped wall of the death strip. Then fingers of light suddenly stabbed upward through the darkness as communist border guards probed the night with searchlights. Petra Wetzel cried, Damn, they're looking for us! Beams from three searchlights merged into one thick finger of light groping up toward them. For several heart-stopping moments, the balloon was almost caught in the beams. To leave the probing white lights behind, Peter turned up the burner flame and the craft climbed to the bitter cold of 2,600 metres. Petra Wetzel knelt down on the metal floor and gathered the shivering Andreas in her arms as she waited for the tracer bullets that would surely rip into the belly of the balloon and end all their lives. She softly sang a lullaby. There's a small teddy bear strolling from Toyland and his fur is cuddly soft. At once call all the children. But though she knew the song by heart, she couldn't remember any more of the words. Twenty-three minutes into the flight, the gas burner nearly stopped. Peter and Gunther frantically tried to produce a larger flame, but failed. The 44 kilograms of propane gas had all been used and the balloon was now descending. Though it was dark there was a moon, and as the ground came ever closer they were able to pick out details in the hills, woods and farms below them. Then with a shudder the balloon hit, bending a young acacia tree and then landing with a spine-jarring crash. The 28-minute flight was over, and the families still did not know for certain whether they were safe. "'Come, we'll walk in the direction of the moon,' said Gunther.' and together they scuttled along the edge of a newly harvested cornfield until they reached the cover of a thicket. Leaving the women and children hiding in the bushes, Peter and Gunther reached a barn. Inside was a wagon with the farmer's name on it, something unknown in the east. At that moment, a Naylor police patrol car, alerted by reports from local residents of a flying saucer, pulled up. Are we in the west? Peter shouted. Yes, answered the police. Peter and Gunther threw their arms around the officers, shouting, We've done it! We've done it! Gunther lit a red flare as an all-clear signal and the men's wives and children ran across the corn stubble to embrace them. Then Frank Strelzik, tears streaming down his face, went back to the balloon and picked up the bottle of sparkling wine his mother had smuggled aboard. At the Naylor police station, with its flower-filled boxes and its cheerful policemen, They raised their glasses. The toast was poignant in its simplicity. To freedom. The Wetzel and Strelzik families fell out shortly after their successful escape. Why? Peter Strelzik gave the initial media interviews while Gunter Wetzel recovered in hospital from a leg injury he suffered during the landing. According to Wetzel, Strelzik took sole credit in the media for the escape idea and construction of the balloon. After reaching freedom... Wetzel and his family settled in Hof, a town not far from where the balloon came down. They stayed there for some 40 years, where Wetzel worked as a master mechanic. He has since retired. Peter Strelzik opened an electrical shop in Bad Kissingen, some 120 kilometres from where the families landed. With the reunification of Germany in 1989, the Strelziks returned to their old home in Posneck. Peter Strelzik died there in 2017 at the age of 74. In 1982, Night Crossing, a Disney film depicting the escape, was released. And in 2018 in Germany, nearly 40 years after the feat, the German-language film Ballon came to cinemas. For more RD talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price.